you have a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 20 for our, our passage this evening. John chapter 20, our key verse will be John 20, 21. <clears throat> this evening we're uh, beginning a series of messages that I've entitled, Imagine That. We're inviting ourselves to, to hear from the scriptures. Of course, we'll be at a different Bible passage each week learning the characteristics, the practices of the kingdom of God that the Bible offers to us and challenging ourselves to to picture these things as the Bible pictures them for us and to join with Jesus in inviting those things to come on earth as they are in heaven. The, The practice of spiritual life, of Christian life, is as much to picture what God would have us do as it is to imagine that new life with God here in the present, to, to learn what the kingdom of God ought to be like and to make it so here in our midst. We find ourselves looking to Jesus this evening, asking what would it look like to imitate our master. Imitation is the title of our message on the top of, if you happen to pick up one of the handouts, you can get one on your way out if you didn't. Uh, imitation. Now, I'm in the minority, I've noticed, on my block. I don't know if I would be on yours or not, but I still mow my own grass. I'm, I'm a little bit proud of that. I'd, I'd be glad to talk with you more about lawn care afterwards. I won't <laughs> bore you all this evening. And, of course, no shame in, in offering that service to, to someone else to come and do on your behalf. Or maybe you don't have grass to mow. But I'm still out there. Uh, now, I'm not pushing the lawnmower. It propels itself, but it's nothing fancy. You don't sit on it. Honda makes it, sells it at the big box store. I've been using the same one since the first house I bought in a previous city. Uh, I kept on mowing my own grass. It's a good chance to, uh, excuse to get outside. I enjoy spending time outside, taking care of the grass. You know, it's something you can control and uh, you can manipulate, and it, it listens and responds accordingly. <laughs> And in that process, I like to take the chance to get my kids outside, too. So we have uh, one of those little plastic ones as well. Maybe you've seen them or, or had one before. Ours is the fancy kind. You can pour bubbles inside of the main section there and the, the uh, fake engine, of course, that the kid has. And as the wheels turn, so does the, the bubble maker, and the, the bubbles will splatter out the side as the child mows the grass like the, they watch you mow the grass. Of course, uh, it's rarely actually full of the bubbles, and oftentimes they spill them out anyways, but the point of it is that it makes a little bit of a noise, a little vibration. It's shaped just like Dad's is shaped, and so since my son could walk, he's been out in the yard mowing the grass too. It's funny though, because uh, if you let him, he'll find his own path. You know, he, he, he would love when we first started to mow the grass in his own way, and And you see, the trouble is his wheels leave a line just like mine leave a line. But I'm choosing a path on purpose, and he's choosing one at random. And I'm I'm going for a certain look in my grass, and it's not toddler windy. Uh, I've got a a pattern going each time. Maybe this was uh, a horizontal day or a vertical day, or I like the diagonal each way, keeping the grass in, in ship shape. I had to teach him both for convenience and for the look of the grass, that you don't just go running off pushing your thing all over the yard while I make my pattern back and forth. If you want to mow with me, 
and he was required to be outside with me while I mowed, so he didn't have much of a choice. If you're going to mow with me, and I'm telling you, you're going to mow with me, you're going to go behind, and you're going to push it like I push mine, so that you're never in, in my way, but you're going to do it like I do it, and you just follow me, you push yours, I'll push mine, and at the end, the picture will be as good as the two of us can make it. I was asking him to imitate me. And the Christian life is a life of imitation. We follow a pattern. We have a picture. There's a a set way for us to go. There's one whose life we are to mimic. It's been that way since the beginning. When God chose to make something other than himself... And begins to set creation into motion and create something in his own image so that you and I, humanity, from the very beginning, were made to image the Creator, to be imitators of God Himself, to have a part of the divine in us, something of God's life in us. As our lives stray from the image, the pattern that God sets for us. The Bible lays out a story of God teaching His people, reteaching His people what it means to image the Creator. He does it in the Old Testament through the law. It transfers through the prophets. And when in the appointed time God chose to, to perfectly image Himself so that we could imitate Him, God sets before us Himself in the flesh the person of Jesus, whose life the Bible says we are to imitate. And the trouble with having your son follow you while you mow is that you also, while he's not in my way, he, I can't see him back there. I just kind of assume he's back there. But every now and then, you know, he would get impatient. If you have a big yard and have to go back and forth, that's a lot of walking, and his steps are about a fourth of mine. And he has a lot further to go, and he's just not going to last to the end. But, you know, the whole point of having him out there and making him mow was so that his mother got a little bit of a break. And, and I'm really not offering much. I mean, it only took me an hour or two at most to keep up the yard. The least I could do was keep him outside. But every now and then, halfway through the yard, you turn around, and there's a, a few stripes back is sitting a plastic mower and no kid in sight. Now, you might be afraid that I lost the kid, that he ran off down the street, but no, I would always know right where he went, back inside, you know. Not only would he imitate my mowing, he'd love to go put his feet up and have some lemonade and imitate how we finish, but he's doing that before the job is done. If I would let him, he would wander off. And so often in our lives, if given a moment to think for ourselves or to go our own way, we'll leave Christ's example behind. The disciples, Jesus' own followers, the ones who had been called with those profound follow-me's at the beginning of each of the Gospels, had been following Jesus around for quite some time. You could say uh, they were probably getting tired of mowing the lawn. They were probably getting tired of going back and forth from town to town, hearing Him teach, but they stayed the course with Him all the way up to His death. And not one week later, Jesus reappears in John chapter 20, the text I've put before us. And given just one week to make their own choices or or make their own path, 
we find them, uh, well, being led astray already. They're together in a locked room by themselves, trying to figure out what to do, scared of what's outside, not sure which way to go next, when Jesus shows up again. It's that famous passage where Thomas asks to see the wounds, to touch Jesus' hands and his side, to, to know that this is, in fact, the risen Christ. He wants to know that it's the same Jesus that they were following. And so Jesus, when he had talked to them already and showed them both his hands and his sides and allowed the disciples to rejoice in recognizing him as the Lord. And John 20, verse 21 says to to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Jesus places before them his own life, reminding them that it presents, offers them a pattern, a way to imagine how their life ought to be led. In the same way that God had sent Jesus, they are to be sent by him. They're to imitate the very life of God himself who chose to send Jesus in bodily form to to embody the gospel, the good news in Christ. And they are now to go forth to imitate that life by going out into the world. It's imitation that Jesus calls them to. Live as I have lived. Go as I was going. Be as I am. This, Jesus says, is the mark of being my disciple, of being a mature disciple, of being all grown up. That's what he's been hoping that they would do, that they would grow up big enough not to to lose track, not to get distracted or quit and go inside instead of finishing the project in front of them. He wants them to be mature disciples, and to do that, they'll have to imitate him. Now, one author went around asking children, what it means to be all grown up, to be mature. Asked a handful of five to eight-year-olds and and jotted down their answers. David, age seven, said, you know you're grown up when your clothes don't fit anymore. (laughs) That stings in ways we don't want to admit. Angie, age six, said she believes being a grown-up meant being able to ride a bike with no training wheels and having no one running alongside you. That's when you're grown up. Amanda said, when you can cross the street by yourself... And start your own bath. Ronnie said, you're all grown up when you get scared in the night and don't have to run to mommy's room. Lisa, age seven, says, you're grown up when you're 30. (laughs) Sherry, age six, says, when you stop growing old, go to work and be a mom. And maybe the best one, Eric, age five, says, when asked, what does it mean to be grown up? He said, when you have wrinkles on your face and you look in the mirror and say, oh, no. Paul gets asked on occasion, tries to explain, Paul does, to young, new followers of Jesus what it means to be mature disciples. And he says, especially to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 4, that one of the marks of being a mature disciple is giving someone else something to imitate. He says, not only are you called to imitate Christ, But you ought to be doing so in such a way that you can 
freely and gladly look to others and say, you imitate me as I imitate Christ. In 1 Corinthians, we find Paul wanting them to imitate him because he was their father figure. He says, I want you to to mimic me. The Greek word is, is literally the word we get our word for mimic from. Follow my example, he says later in chapter 11, as I follow the example of Christ. Again, in Philippians, he advises, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or, or seen in me, put it into practice. When Jesus looks across that room where his disciples have locked themselves for fear of what's outside, he asks each of them to live a life worthy of imitation, worth following. The writer to the Hebrews says, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Paul writes to Timothy and says, be an example to the believers in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and purity. He urged Christians to set a right example by looking to the example of Christ. Praising the Thessalonians, he says in 1 Thessalonians 1.7, who became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. You see, they had captured the idea that by imitating Jesus, they could become men and women worth imitating themselves. Imitation is good, but we also have to be careful what we imitate. That's why John urges Christians not to imitate the wrong things. Third John, he says, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. This is the the model that Jesus places before us in John 20, 21. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. When he breathes on them and gives them his Holy Spirit, he is hoping that they will go out and imitate him. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. That is the as-so structure of discipleship. All throughout the Bible, this comes alive, that as Christ has done, so we are called to do. That little word, as, is something like imagination. It connects in metaphors and and similes the things that are well known to something even better known. As you've seen it done, go and do. Christian practices have that kind of as-so structure. I've put a few of those examples on the page in front of you. Over and over again, Paul picks up this same as-so example that Jesus places before us in John 20. As God has called each, so let each walk. As Christ was raised from the dead, so we might live anew. As Christ has accepted us, so we should accept one another. As you have received Christ Jesus in Lord, as Lord, so walk in Him. As God in Christ has forgiven us, so we should forgive one another. As we have worn the likeness of man made of dust, so we shall wear the likeness of the heavenly man. Over and over again, the New Testament calls us to imagine the life of Jesus 
and put it into practice by doing likewise. And of course, imitation is not the same thing as, as repetition. You know, when Paul argues uh, for celibacy or for a woman, a widow, not remarrying, he doesn't appeal to Jesus' example of having not married. When, when Paul explains at length his own employment as an artisan and why it's so important, he doesn't ever say, well, Jesus was a carpenter. Uh, when speaking of his mission and teaching style, he doesn't give a, re- uh, a reference to the, the formation of a circle of disciples for training. And Paul doesn't insist that we repeat exactly what Jesus did at every moment. He calls us instead to a a deeper imagination than that, to understand what it means to do like Jesus, not simply to repeat as if we could uh, the life Jesus lived as a first century Jew in Galilee, but to see the practices of the kingdom of God in the life of Jesus and to put them into practice in our life. In other words, the life of the Lord is an imitation of the Father, and the life of the disciple is an imitation of Christ. We live out the story of the one who lived out God's story by walking in His way day after day. Jesus' initial summons, His call to the disciples, was an invitation to participate in His life. He says, follow me. And that way he calls them to to see that uh, being a disciple is imitation of a master. He tells them in Matthew 10, it is enough, it is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher. He tells them in Luke, the disciple is not above his master, but everyone when his training is complete will reach his master's level. He tells them in Mark, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Again and again, he is calling his disciples to be like him, placing in front of them imitation as a central practice of the kingdom of God. That as he becomes the image of what God is like, we're to become the image of what Christ is like. So that through us, others can know God. We are to go and do Likewise. Now, pushing a plastic lawnmower can get you a long way. But eventually, when a child is old enough, it's just not enough anymore. I've learned that age is about seven. My oldest son is now seven. The plastic lawnmower will no longer do. He has been begging for more than a year to push the real thing. Now, the handle of our Honda lawnmower, it's, though it's self-propelled, is probably about eye level for him. It seems a little bit impractical, but I'm a softie. And if a kid begs to work, what do you do? Let him work. He ought to learn the skill. So this year, for the first time, we put the plastic one aside, and he got to put his hands on the real thing. So he goes to our garage, and he retrieves his ear protection. I didn't even know we had that. He wasn't imitating me in that case. And he comes and gets behind the Honda lawnmower. He didn't want it to be too loud. Cautious is a good way to go if you're a seven-year-old with a lawnmower. And I set him out in the yard, and we started to mow. Now, I went around the outside first so that he'd have plenty of room to turn around. And then he knew now's the time to start making those stripes back 
and forth. He's barely big enough to get the thing to turn back around, and I'm, I'm certainly uh, wise enough to know that you can't leave an unsupervised seven-year-old with a spinning blade in the backyard. <laughs> so I followed him uh, uh, step by step as he went, and he chose diagonal because that's what I usually pick too. As he went back and forth, I was there, and each time he would come to the edge of the yard, he couldn't get the thing to spin around, so he would kind of just hand me the handle, and I would turn it around, and then he would, he would keep going. It was more than he could handle, and he knew it, but I followed him step by step as he went and made sure that he got the job done, and sometimes doing as our Lord has done is more than we can handle. But the promise Jesus gives to these disciples sitting scared in a room alone is that if they will imitate him, he will always be there with them. And that if ever the job is too much or more than they can handle or they get turned around or can't remember where the next line goes, he's there with us, with you. To help you as you imitate him. As the Father has sent me, Jesus says, so I send you. The kingdom of God is to be made of people who imitate Christ. Imagine that and go and do likewise. Let's pray together. Father, life is so often more than we can handle, and and your example can feel like such a high mark. But nonetheless, we commit ourselves to believing that your life is better, and that your life is enough, and that your life is forever. So we pray, God, that you would teach us to imitate you, not just as an example, but as our Savior and our Lord. And we pray that in the the life that you offer and the victory that we have in Jesus, that you would lead us to bring your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.